Wine Monk, Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Hello, guys. I'm coming to you from, uh, where am I? Uh, Middletown, Rhode Island. Middletown, Rhode Island. Um, this podcast has been kind of a disaster to put together. Um, we shall prevail. Like the forefathers of our country, we shall prevail. Something, something, inalienable light, right? Something, something, diverts demeanor. <laughs> something, something, diverts demeanor. Uh, Gavard Streminer, I hardly know her. <laughs> so, our focus today is ostensibly the Bastion Show. Gavard Streminer from Arizona Stronghold. But I have a few other surprises along the way. In fact, I have a Gavard Streminer from Alsace. Uh, or is it Alsace? Alsace. Alsace, okay. No, say it right. Alsace. It's, it's somewhere in between. Between okay. an A ah and an ah. Alsace. Alsace-Lorraine. Ah. ah, okay. So, I have one from there, and that's actually the one we're going to be starting with today. Uh, then we'll move on to the Arizona, and then we'll finish off with a local Gewürztraminer from Newport Vineyards, which is, uh, if we were on the third floor, we could probably see it not from where our hotel room is, but from one of the third floor hotel rooms if their window was... Pointed in that way. Yep. It's uh, technically in Middletown. It is not in Newport. So the reason why this has been a disaster has been because my normal microphone is being a douchebag. Yep. Uh, the USB cord is not working. It's not turning on. It worked a few days ago when I was recording the podcast uh, with David Day on Oak from Canton Cooperage. But for some reason, it's decided not to work today in any of the USB ports, and that's modalism, Patrick. Yes. Uh, this podcast is also partly brought to you by the fact that this is the day after St. Patrick's Day, and we've been doing that's modalism, Patrick, to about every single thing, <laughs> thanks to the Lutheran satire uh, view um, YouTube video, uh, St. Patrick's Bad, bad analogies. analogies. That's mortalism, Patrick. That's Arianism, Patrick. That's, That's partialism, Patrick. Partialism. Partialism, I think. Partial. What? Uh, explain for our listeners <laughs> what partialism is. Well, apparently, it was. Uh, what's the line? And who proclaims partialism mm -hmm. after doing Arianism and modalism? They didn't. Uh, partialism. Who pro who proclaims partialism exactly? And they go to what season one of. Um, Voltron, in, in which five robots come together to make a larger robot, and St. Patrick said, I've never heard of that. And they said, that's because it won't exist for another 1,500 years, Patrick. Patrick. Yeah, get with the program, Patrick. Patrick. <laughs> so uh, these are all from different vintages. Oh, Oops. and Gewürztraminer is, um, just as a side note, my, uh, my late paternal grandfather's favorite wine. Uh, he was from place, <laughs> place. Well, Austria. He was from Austria, or rather, his family was from Austria. And he was the uh, only one of the children born in America, and so a um, you know a Gewurztraminer kind of brings us back to him and to his uh, his wonderful life. So I'm going to steal your phone. 
Because for part of the introduction... Oh, hey! James started following you on, uh... Uh... Pretty picture thing. Instagram! <laughs> pretty picture thing. Both of us are having difficulty with nouns, and we haven't had anything except communion wine yet. Uh, and Doritos. Which, and Doritos, yes. And... and Coliva. Coliva. Uh, today, and um, as in the day of recording, it is the exaltation of the Holy Cross. The halfway point through Lent, thank God. Yep, but we gotta keep going. Another, another month of Lent. So, like, this point of, uh, the Great Fast, the Orthodox groundhog peeks his head out of its monastic cell and looks up at the sky and goes, four more weeks, five more weeks of, um, X number of weeks more of Lent. Yes. Um, I was really hoping that we get a, uh, a St. Patrick sermon today because St. Patrick was recently added to the Roman or Roman Russian or Russian Russian Orthodox. This is what happens when you start rushing into things. Uh, it was uh, recent, just recently added to the Russian Orthodox calendar. Officially. Uh, officially, yes. Um, and while he is not on the Greek Orthodox calendar, they do, they do recognize him as a saint. And there was an argument on this where someone was like, oh, he's not really Orthodox because Celtic, the Celtic Church at that point was like not at all like... It's all pre-schism. It's so pre-schism, and at that point in time, there was a huge difference between churches in Constantinople and churches in Thessaloniki and churches in, in Tierra Anatolia and the church in Jerusalem and the church in Egypt. They were all using different liturgies and different ideas and had different cultural traditions at that point. It wasn't this homogenized whole that Eastern Orthodoxy has tried to become now, but is not really working too well. well it's, it's, it's hard to homogenize. Oh, that's way. homogenization, Patrick. <laughs> so anyway. I was going to say, that, that's not going to be invented until Louis Pasteur comes along. Louis Pasteur. He invented pasteurization, Patrick. It's got nothing to do with homogenization. Why did you mention it? I don't know, Patrick. So anyway, um, for those who don't know Gilbert Schemainer, I and really truly hardly know her. Ah. Um, it's a um, -na 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 -na. And, and this is from the book of Wikipedia because I was not about to waste uh, 40 of my 50 pounds of luggage space on bringing the giant red wine book uh, of Jansen's Robinson et al. Um, because, yeah, I wanted to bring wine here and then wine back. Uh, I'm taking a few things back. I actually discovered a fantastic set of uh, wines at uh, a vineyard in Massachusetts, uh, which actually Derek has sent me a bottle. Hi, Derek. Love you, Derek. Westport Rivers Vineyard. Yeah, Westport. Westport Rivers Vineyard. Um, Man, they I really can't talk. <laughs> and you haven't even. I haven't even opened the first bottle yet. Yeah. Woman. Yeah. Woman. Sorry. Man. I'm a man. <laughs> My name is Dennis. Is, I'm, <laughs> I'm not old. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Gewürztraminer, or as I like to say in my German, Gewürztraminer. <laughs> because everything in German must be yelled and screamed. Yes. And, and that is G-E-W-U with an umlaut, R-Z-T-R-A-M-I-N-E-R. Uh, is an aromatic grape variety used in white wines and forms best in cooler climates. 
In English, it is sometimes referred to colloquially as Gewürz. This is never the case in German, because Gewürz means herb or spice, or herb, I guess is. And in French, it is written Gewürztraminer without the umlaut. Uh, Gewürztraminer is a variety with a pink to red skin color, which makes it a white wine grape as opposed to blue or black skinned varieties, commonly used as, commonly referred to as red wine grapes. Uh, these are known, and according to apography, apparently as gray grapes. Uh, hence also Pinot Grigio, also being known as Pinot Gris. Hashtag so why did they have things that are like different? They had a, we went to a couple of wineries where there was a Pinot Grigio and a Pinot Gris. Together? Yeah. Could be different clones then. Could be. I don't know. I because didn't, Gris is French for... I did gray. not catch that, and I wish you had because I would have asked. Like, I think so why is this one called Pinot Gris and why is this one Pinot Grigio? Is because one clone is coming from Italy and the other is coming from... The, France. From France? It has to be France. Or... Well, it clear, well, I mean, then again, no one uses the, except in Germany and Austria, the, the German name for Pinot Grigio, which is Grauburgunder. <laughs> which sounds across. like a really great metal band. We did come across... We came across one blend yesterday that had, um, that had Lemberger in it. Uh, which is also known as Blaufrankisch, which is much more fun to say. Blaufrankisch, which would be what, like... Blue French. The Blue Frank. The blue or French. the Blue French. Alright, cool. Um, whether that is because it originally came from France, no one really knows anymore. Yes, but it does actually have a smell of, um, of blue cheese to it. There's a slight, there's a similarity in the smell between the, uh, the, at least the blend we tried that had the Lemberger in it and the, um, more potent, um, cheeses. Yes. So, yes. To continue, uh, this variety has high natural sugar, and the wines are white, and usually off-dry with a flamboyant bouquet of light cheese. Indeed, Gewürztraminer and lychees share the same aroma compounds, and there's a footnote there. Uh, similarities, and it's for a paper called Similarities in the Aroma Chemistry of Gewürztraminer Variety Wines and Lychee, Lychee, L-A-T-C-H-I, Chinesis Song? Oh. oh, that's probably the guy who named it. Uh, fruit. Uh, dry Gewürztraminers may also have aromas of rose, passion fruit, and floral notes. It is not uncommon to notice some spritz, i.e. fine bubbles on the inside of glass. Um, continuing on, Gewürztraminer sweetness may offset the spice of Asian cuisine. One of our original plans for this was to do Thai food with this, um, but we decided not to. And then yesterday we were going to do Chinese first, and then illness struck. Yes. Um, That's tragic. For for those who are listening, yes, Bess is again once modestly clothed in a pirate hat. <laughs> yes. Yard. I really like this hat. <laughs> um, uh, shoot, I can't think of a grape that starts with like an R sound. I don't know, the only word coming around is Ratzkeller, and I know that it's not Ricketts a grape. You mean Ricketsatelli? No, no, Ratzkeller, like a, like a restaurant. The, the German uh, restaurant variety. Oh. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a place in, in Indiana, I want to say Indianapolis, but I might be wrong, called Ratzkeller, and it's just fantastic food. Good German food. So, anyway, the German name Gewürztraminer literally means spice trimmer or perfume trimmer. It originally comes from the Alsace... Alsace? Alsace? Alsace region in France. 
Uh, the radius mutation of Sauvignon Blanc, not Sauvignon Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc, also named Treminer and South Tyrol, i.e. Northern Italy. Uh, uh, do we want to uh, get into the history and of the bridal, or do we just want to start drinking? I don't know. That's up to you. Uh, I did just come up with a, a grape with an R, but it's just the word for grapes in French, which is a raisin. Spelled like raisin. Oh. Yep. So there, there we go. Language nerd. Language nerds. Anyway, um, it also apparently has a very unstable genome like Pinot Noir, uh, where Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Meunier, and Pinot... the other Pinot. No, did I, did green. I say Gris? You got Gris. Uh, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, Pinot Meunier... Did I say Pinot, Pinot Blanc? Noir. Yeah, well, they're, Pinot Blanc to start with. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're all basically weird mutations and offshoots of Pinot Noir is the, the idea. Uh, Derp. Where was I? Uh, anyway. Uh, this gets into... Ah! And one of the reasons for the confusion of genetics may as well be because for a long time, of course, uh, Alsace was kind of a front line, apparently, for... A whole awesome set of wars that were not actually Alsace. Yep. Um, so uh, Alsace-Lorraine region went back and forth a lot between um, between France and Germany, and thus pretty much everyone there is at least bilingual French and German. Um, I remember going to Strasbourg and mostly speaking French, uh, a little English when people decided they just didn't want to put up with my bad French. Uh, because at that point it was still very near the beginning of my time abroad, and um, and German, so yeah. So like I said, we're going to start off with a Gewurztraminer from Alsace. This is a 2013. So 2013 from Alsace, Lyon Bayer. I almost said Boyer, and then was channeling Michael Boyer and going, In what universe is this okay? So one of the things I did bring, instead of the... Uh, giant book? Giant book, thank you. Uh, is that I did bring the new toy that Ray Stevenson from Trident gave unto me. Shout out to Trident, uh, by the way, for the Ocotillo wine. That stuff is fantastic. We had some heated up with our Chinese, as well as because uh, a lot of the problems we thought were muscular and yep. lactic acid based and lymph system and stuff. So. And today I can walk again. Yep, I almost went into the German accent there. Mein Führer! I can walk. Explosion! 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 This is. We'll meet again. Anyway. Dame Virilin, who is still alive. That's true. And who I, I think I quote, I can't remember if it's John Oliver or Andy Zaltzman, but they said that her, her, her biggest contribution was to tell Hitler where to stick himself through song. So. so anyway, we have here from the back 
House of the Empire. On the French bank of the Rhine River, protected by the mass of the Vosges. V-O-S-G-E-S. The Vosges. The Vosges Mountains lies the superb wine-growing area of Alsace. One of the oldest villages here is in Egushelm, Egushelm, sorry, <clears throat> known as the cradle, quote-unquote, of Alsatian viticulture. Great wines have been produced here since the 4th century. The tradition of family in winemaking is strong in Alsace, and wineries have passed from father to son for centuries. Among the finest of these wineries is the House of Leon Bayer of Egusheim, formal records of which exist from 1580. Uh, the worst Alsace, uh, according to Alsatian rules, from what I've found as I've been studying for the CSW thing, is that uh, uh, varietal wines are, are pretty much the standard and um, Alsace, and they have to be like 75 to 85 to qualify. And they're very rarely blended with other things. So we're probably looking at something that is 85%, if not entirely 100% converts to meaner here. Uh, thank God, because that will help us. So. Uh, the Appellation Alsace Controlée. Yes. It's, it's, it's so interesting to me to see just things going back and forth between French and German in, in the regions of Alsace and Lorraine, because it's just. You know, you'll go from one town that's named in French to, or like, like the the name of the winemaker or the the, the company is Leon, spelled like spelled in French, and then Bayer, which is a German last name. So Leon Bayer is a uh, combination of the two warring cultures. Good for them. Uh, hopefully not warring ever again. No. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. We don't need um, any. God willing, but we don't need any additional war. Yeah. So we were drinking first out of the Newport Vineyards glass, and then I have my special secret mm. glass toy. But it sounded really wrong. This is a, sorry, this is, this, it was an overwhelming smell, it's just gorgeous. Roses. Scent. Yeah. Very floral. Roses, gardenias, there's lychee. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of kiwi. Another bright fruit, like okay. quince. Quince or apple. Or both. Maybe. I don't know. It's almost got a, a note that was similar to something in the cider from the same vineyard. Or not from the same vineyard, from Newport Vineyards. I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. From um, the same vineyard the glass was from. Yes. So, I'm going to have credit. Yep. Beautiful golden color. So this is the oldest out of the, the ones that we've got. We've got a 2013, a 2014, and 2015 uh, here. Mm. More fruit, less floral on the nose, um, palate rather. Bit of acidity. Mm -hmm. I'm not really getting any of those big floral aspects to it um, yeah, not so much that I was kind of expecting, but that I remembered from the very first time I drank the 2014 Gewurz. Now this was only the second Alsatian Gewurz Cabinet I've had. The first one was when I was living in Boston. When I was living in Boston, Patra. <laughs> oh, yes. 
from what I know is uh, apparently most of the aging of oscillation lines does occur in neutral French oak uh, to a lesser extent stainless steel. So this is probably um, oak notes will come out really enough much more prominently in my in my fun new glass. So should probably include a picture of the the glass on the in the blog entry for the podcast. Oh, I, I actually did put it in the picture for uh, the oak podcast I did, which at this time of recording has not been released by the time this recording is released will have been posted. Which is the weird thing about looking into the future. Which reminds me, I still need to post the Albarino today. Oops. Oh, it should have been posted like three days ago. Shit. Whoopsies! It'll give me something to do while I'm on my layover in, um, um, that one state that's north of the South State, North Carolina. Aha, yes. <laughs> I think I remember there being a decent exhibit in the Raleigh Airport on flight because oh, yeah, it's North not, Carolina first. North Carolina, flight. yeah. So I really, I love, I love the smell of this. I feel like there's, the, the nose is richer than the palate, but uh, whereas you, you mentioned before off of the article that uh, the, there, there may be a spritz in the glass, I'm getting the spritz more on the palate. I think that's more of the acidity rather than actual It could be, bubbles. but on the, on the first sip it almost felt like, like a, a very mildly carbonated soda. Hmm. But that could just be medium strange. Well, this is why I'm kind of into you. <laughs> yes, just kind of. Just kind of. He's just here for the wine. Well, Rhode Island is. This is a surprisingly. Yeah. I I didn't one, know. One of my actual secret reasons for visiting. Um, <laughs> as Greg Goneman posted, why on earth did you go to Rhode Island, or what brought you to Rhode Island? Uh, one of the reasons was uh, kind of a, a follow-up, well, a planned follow-up that was long planned long before I visited Bruzy. But uh, looking at cold weather varietals for cold weather sites now, um, there are a lot of vinifera here, um, but he's tried a fair number of vinifera that we know probably wouldn't work because they don't work in Wilcox. There's no way in hell they're going to work on the Muggy and Rim. Gavert's Chimino is actually one of these. Um, most years it doesn't produce a, a good crop down there, as I was, um, as we'll get into more when we talk about the history of the 2014, uh, Benita Springs Giverts from, uh, AZ Stronghold, which will be next. Um, so where I'm feeling the acid on the tongue is near the tip, but then also at the back. That's, that sounds that's about unusual. right. Unusual for me. Usually, I get the, the bite of the acid either at the tip of the tongue or along the sides. So I'm getting maybe that's more of an umami character then. Mm. Looking at, I can't remember where you know, I think umami is in the um, tongue. I don't know, but it's it's really it's this is really just beautiful to look at. This is it's um, pretty. If I were to, as, as I would someday very much like to do, uh, get into um, iconography. 
This is a color that I would use in a halo. Um, That's this pale sort of dandelion straw gold. Mm -hmm. Now for the toy fun fun toy glass. So how does that work that you can only hold it in there in that you can hold it in two points? Wow. Like that this? Is, that is cool. So the idea behind this glass is that it limits skin temperature exposure and it's designed to basically focus the aromatics uh, in a way and detect faults easier and that sort of thing. Oh wow, this is a uh, no. Keep that little bit in your glass, right there. I want you to tell me, because I'm monopolizing so much of this podcast already, <laughs> what you're getting different. Now, grab with those two points and put it to your nose. What am I getting different? Well, for one thing, the the, the whole scent is bigger. Like... It's not, it's not dispersed. That's what she said. Okay. I'm not, <laughs> it's like most of the, that's what she says. I kind of get that one. I'm like, eh, thing. Anyway. Smell lingers longer. Hold on. I'm going to go back and forth for comparison. I'm almost getting a smoky note out of the... the um, it's, it smells glass. woodier and yes. grassier to me. Yes. It's, it's so that must be the oak influence. It's that earthy smell. Uh, it's grassy and, and oaky and... You can sip from it. It's allowed. It's supposed to taste a little different, too. It does. I'm getting the acid more strongly out of this glass. And then the grassy notes are coming out on the palate. Yeah. And I'm definitely getting more grassy notes, more sharp notes. Uh, there's a citrus note that's kind of here. The lychee is there, but it's more subtle. The floral notes are here, but again, they're more subtle this time around. Um, yeah, it's it, it definitely, this glass is awesome and weird and funky. And again, thank you, Ray, uh, once again, for, for this fun, fun thing. Uh, it's called La Teste. That's, that's what it's for. Mm -hmm. Gosh, this is really, this is quite lovely. This is, like, I think I'm, I have this, most of the wine that I had when I was in Alsace was Glühwein because, which is hot wine, hot spiced wine, uh, because it was, um, it was December, it was Christmas market season. And so you get your either your Glühwein or your hot cider, or in other regions of France, you get hot orange juice. Um, but I want to say that I made my friend Katie try a Gewürztraminer when we went to a German restaurant there. And 
this would I mean I, I can see this pairing really well with a lot of German dishes oh um, I kind of want to pair this with sauerkraut myself oh yeah or rotkraut maybe rotkraut sauerkraut a good bratwurst Mm -hmm. uh, it would work actually. I mean, yeah, everyone's like, oh, pair with Thai food and sushi and da 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 da. da. And probably yes, Indian food would work. work. That would certainly work. Actually, probably work. Indian food would be amazing with yes. this. But. Yes, and seeing as it's fasting season, I'm eating a lot of Thai and Indian food right now. Um, so it will be nice to have a wine to go with that. Uh, considering that uh, we're really only going to have a glass of these and then the rest of the, rest of the bottles are going home with her. As also a bribe to her father, who is also fond of the Verts Yep. Um, yeah, I, I will only get to really enjoy a glass of these now, and maybe another glass of one or two of these tonight. True, um, true. Depending on the meal. Uh, macaroni and cheese. Baked macaroni and cheese. Depending on cheese, that could work. Uh, I think he usually uses a mixture of cheddars and Swisses. Sometimes he goes all Swiss and Gruyere. Hmm. I mean, uh, I'll still drink it, even if it doesn't pair, because... Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, yes, but tonight is also when we watch The Quiet Man, because we haven't watched The Quiet Man yet, uh, which yes. is the Carner family tradition for St. Patrick's Day. So we watch The Quiet Man, which is John Wayne as, uh, as, um, Thornton, John, no, not John, what is John? Whatever his name is, Thornton. Um, uh, Trooper Thorne, as he was known in the sport that he did that I won't get into because spoilers, but if you haven't seen The Quiet Man, watch The Quiet Man. It is an excellent, uh, excellent film. Maureen O'Hara is the love interest, and you get some of the, some of the best Catholic Protestant bickering outside of The Simpsons uh in the if, if you're happy and you know it that's a sin <laughs> if you're happy and you know it that's a sin so we'll be drinking guinness tonight because you have to have a guinness with the quiet man it just has to happen there's so many pub scenes in that movie wasn't ah. mm. paying attention to where my cork was going and tore off part of the cork Still want to isolate that sound just so just I can use it for something like we had talked about using it as a record scratch moment on the last podcast the sound of getting the cork off the corkscrew true we did can I reach oh that is a good question oh no, this one looks a little lighter mm -hmm. which makes sense as a white wine Slowly ages. Uh, that color gets more and more gold. And the last Gewürztraminer I had before the Arizona one uh, was a 1970-something or other. Uh, I think that was the other one from Alsace, or maybe it was Mosul. It was near. It was that part of Germany, but it was a dessert Gewürztraminer. Dessert Gewürztraminer. Well, a good band name. Yes. B, that sounds just awesome. <laughs> it was like totally like creamed figs and everything. Uh, mm. Phil Brown, uh, now at the Southwest Wine Center in Owl, 
and another relationship had brought it to a dinner uh, with his then-girlfriend, Veronica, uh, at one of these dinners that uh, Sarah Chanella used to do on her deck when she was in town. So, as a divert, dessert giverts, um, that's kind of fun to say, dessert giverts, um, would, oh, hold on a moment, part of my old student ID number, <laughs> which is the only way that no one will ever guess it, um, the, um, what, were, what was the quality of the dessert giverts demeanor, was it sweet? Very. Because this is, um, I mean, there's a little sweetness to it, but it's, these have been fairly dry. Um, we tried a couple of Gewürztraminers uh, over the past few days. Um, so we've hit four out of five of the wineries that we're planning to go to. And the Gewürztes have been pretty dry, so I, I mean, imagining it sweet. I feel like cheese plate? Oh, well, paired really quite beautifully with the salmon that was the main course Ooh, for yeah. that dinner. So anyway, uh, fact sheet on this wine, courtesy of Corey Turnbull. Uh, shout out to Corey Turnbull. This is the one that that we when last when last I was on the podcast, um, Cody mentioned that he had called it in advance. Uh, and I this did. is going to be the winner. And I was right. Okay, so uh, reading from my own blog entry because that's how I roll. Woo. That's uh, how we roll in the Shire. Which is, uh, this wine is made from 100% Gewürztraminer coming from Bonita Springs Vineyard near Wilcox. Uh, uh, cooler weather varietals tend to could do well there because it's higher in elevation than Rusty Wilcox. Well, they're good for descend, left to cold soak for a few days before pressing. This was done to increase the aromatic potential of the future wine, which at the point of me doing this review, was a success. Uh, Steel age for seven months. Um, Corey is on record here as saying that this is one of the best wines he feels he's ever made. No residual sugar, uh, no mallow, uh, MLF as it's affectionately known. Um, and now it's in the AZ tasting room, uh, Arizona Stronghold. Uh, na, 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 na. It'll be interesting to see how this compares to my tasting notes from then. Um, so first, normal glass. Normal. Oh, that's a normal glass, Patrick. You want a fancy glass, Patrick. What are you doing drinking wine on St. Patrick's weekend, Patrick? Mmm. This is much. This has a much fruitier smell to me. Yeah, it's bigger Alcance. fruit. Uh, less floral now by a long shot. So the floral notes are still there. They're like that's. You get the you get hit by the fruit first, I think, or at least this is this is my nose talking. The the fruit comes in first, and then it leaves behind that rose water, um, and gardenia. Hmm. I think when we did when when we did the tasting of this at the um, the grand gala thing, the grand event um, in January, I think I just spent like five minutes with my nose in the glass. Something uh, like that. It was 
it was just that that it's it is that gorgeous of a smell that you just want to wear it as a perfume. Now, am I getting that Arizona dust, or is that my imagination? Yeah, it's definitely there on the palette. Uh, for me. Mm -hmm. uh, for whites, I've noticed that it's more prevalent on the palette. For reds, it's more prevalent on the nose. You've got more bite. The wind is really picked up out there. Yeah, it was. there was no wind this morning, and 32 degrees felt like 40. And now, 40-something 40 degrees feels like 30-something. Because the wind has... the wind has arrived. Hmm. But the wind is still warm enough that it uh, it makes a, a big difference between the um, between the the wines here grow, that are grown on the island versus wines grown on the mainland um, because the ocean breeze is it keeps things warmer around here. Yeah, and to all my friends who are rushing around dealing with bud break and, and Wilcox and Sonoida and the Verde. If you don't want to deal with it, come to Rhode Island. <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing's broken bud yet. They were talking about how they were worried a couple of weeks ago when the temperatures were up in the 50s and 60s, but now it's dropped dramatically. I forgot how much I liked this one. That would be why I bought you a bottle, because mm -hmm. I I remember, like, again, that the day that you came out, and it's like, what else do you want <laughs> me to buy for you? And it's just like, how did she not remember the reverts? Did she like, no, I'll just have to get that for her later. Okay. And so I did. <sighs> this one has that sort of earthy smell. Yeah. Um, that I was, uh, that sort of grassy earth fruit. Uh, that we were getting from the Alsatian only in the special glass. Which makes me wonder if the inverse is going to be true. Or is it going to smell just like the most hobbity thing ever? I don't in know. The We listened to uh, the BBC Lord of the Rings on the way uh, when we were running around yesterday and then on our way to and from church this morning. Um, so I've got Lord of the Rings on the brain, as well as all of the Patrick jokes. And yes. we watched Secret of Kells as well. Mm -hmm. That was, I, I had never seen that before. That was amazing. Now, if that's, now if Quiet Man is the corner. Um, tradition. Tradition. For me, Secret of Kells, usually with Guinness and a simple corned beef sandwich, or just the Guinness, is if if, if, if I can't else, find a corned beef. If nothing else, there must be Guinness. Is usually my tradition. Well, that was a bird with a beer. Yes, cool. it was. <gasps> Ooh, pretty. Right. Cody's got, like, Quite a gift for photography. And the screensaver has come up, and, which yeah. is distracting. It's um, full of pretty. 
So Secret of Kells and Guinness is mine. Uh, St. Patrick's Day tradition. St. Patrick. Oh. Now, would you do a different pairing with this than with the Alsatian? Slightly different, yes. What would you go with? Um... I feel like this one would actually pair better with bratwursts yeah. uh, than the Alsatian. I feel like this one would be uh, better with something a little bit fatty and meaty. Because mm -hmm. uh, that, that's going to cut through the fat and be quite nice, I think. Now, do you have your bratwurst on a bun or on its own? Uh, depends on my mood. Uh, sometimes I like it in a bun, sometimes not, but always with sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a little bit of Dijon mustard. I was just thinking Dijon mustard because we don't tend to keep sauerkraut in the house. I'm the only one that really likes it. Uh, Mama likes it. I actually made and fermented my own sauerkraut for a Riesling pairing and oh, comparison yeah. dinner. That sounds good. Uh, before I started blogging, really. As um, kind of a New Year's Day thing. And that, that could have easily been like the first podcast if I had actually recorded, but, ah, well, so it goes. I'm going to have to point my, um, my old roommate and my SAI mom, Dana, to this podcast. Hi, Dana, because I'm totally going to tag you in this, um, because Dana studied in Vienna, and she made... Which does have an urban winery, or an urban wine AOC, give Minzer Schultz, if I remember correctly. My, my family is from the um, far east of Austria, from a little town called Mariasdorf, which if you look it up, but like Maria, S-D-O-R-F, um, every picture looks like a postcard. Places like, it's like the sound of music, but with fewer mansions and, uh, anyway, um, beautiful place, but uh, she made us a, a, an amazing German dinner uh, when, her, when her mother came to visit. Uh, it was our senior year. We were living in a place that actually had a kitchen. That will go in the Alsatian converts. Before I forget. If I can do things. Here, let me. There we go. More useless hand power. There we go. Now for the... I need to blow my nose. Alright. Um, um, I need tissues. Or, there we go. While Cody blows his nose, I shall say to the world, if you know people who are uh, interested in um, German food, uh, point them towards this uh, particular episode and maybe, you know... Other other episodes. There are probably other. You've, you've probably done other Gewurzes, um, or other other wines that are popular in Germany, um, and or Germany and other German-speaking nations. Um, so, yeah, this is like I want to put this with, like like replace. This is I know this is probably heresy, but I want to replace all of the beer at Newport's Oktoberfest with Gewurz now. 
because it's just a better idea. Bad beer is no substitute. What if it's good beer? It's good beer, maybe. Maybe. But even Because that, that's good beer, Patrick. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's my, my father's 40th birthday. Um, we had um, Walt Giller, or Walt, Walter, um, the friend from our, our Baptist church forever ago. Um, and he, uh, he cooked the bratwurst for the dinner, and he boiled it before, before grilling it or baking it or something. He boiled the bratwurst in beer, and it was amazing. I did that when I did my... Uh, uh, so what I did for, for the Riesling comparison, I fermented my own sauerkraut for it. Uh, thanks to uh, a friend of mine helping me out with that, Lisa, Gary's wife. Uh, then I boiled the sauerkraut in beer. I went for the cheapest German beer I could find, which was Beck's. Alright, decent. Uh, for, uh, for it, and used an entire six-pack, basically, in, in a giant pot. And then, uh, threw them on the grill for a couple of seconds to sear, and then there they were, and then buried them in the sauerkraut. Well, one fun way to cook them is to bury them in grapes and cook them in the oven. Huh. Um, recipe can be found courtesy of my mom. I don't know where she got it. Probably the Silver Palette cookbook. That's where she gets most of her awesome... If she didn't invent it herself, it's probably Abby Silver Palette or Julia Child. Um, so, yes. Um, so, Sunglass. What did you get off of it? I haven't even gone to look yet. Mm. Sharper notes. Fruit is coming out a little bit more. Finally getting a little bit of the rose, but it's grassy. Very grassy. I'm getting the tiniest hint of like an unripe nectarine. Could be. Here, you... Try the fun glass. Oh yeah, the earthly smells are much, uh, much richer here. I just got it all over my nose. I'm getting, yeah, the, the lychee is... Ah, why is this not? Um... The lychee is stronger, much, uh, much more evident in this glass than it has been, uh, than it was in the Alsatian, as well as than it was in the regular glass. I just cracked open the Newport 2016. 
this is the palest of them all. Wow, it's, yeah. It's, it's almost like water. It's so pale. And here you can really see the spritz. If you look, if you look in there, at least. Yeah, there, there's definitely little tiny bubbles in, on the surface here. So I did get a much, um, before we go into the, the Newport, I did get a much richer, um, richer sense of the acid. I did get a some, something citrusy that I can't, can't pick out which citrus, but there's something citrusy in there that I did not get in the normal glass. Um, so this is, I can't pick out which one it is, but it's something citrusy. So this will be the easiest one to seal because it was a stove enclosure. Stove and screw top. Um, this has been the only one that I've noticed that uh, out of all the wires we've been to, this is the only one that's been doing screw tops. Yeah. It also does one of the probably the largest production out of all the wineries we visited. Definitely. Uh, so far this trip. Yeah, with the possible exception of some seasons in Westport, um, this is this is definitely the the largest, most famous one around here. Um, is Newport. We went to one called Greenvale, which I would highly recommend, uh, which is kind of hidden away by the polo grounds. Uh, so if you pass the polo grounds, just barely, and you go down some back roads, and then you go down some dirt roads, you find. Um, this lovely little farmhouse that is, in fact, a winery, and where they are starting to uh, to grow hops as well. So that's Greenvale. And they're also um, growing Albarino on that site too, yes. which has shocked me that people are planting Albarino here because this is not a grape I would have expected. And really, I was, expect I was expecting more things like Lando, you know, or um, the hell was the other Pinot that we or no, not Meunier. Grigio, I'm sorry. Uh, Blanc. Lando Noir. Rather. Lando, yeah. We only found one Lando. Uh, I was expecting more Lando Noir, more Baco Noir. Lots of, Blanc is still everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, but I was also expecting uh, lots more hybrids, and there's a lot of vinifera grown here. More than I remember there being grown here when I was last year, years ago. Mm -hmm. well, we have diversified since then, yeah. Um, and the, the Lando, we did find it, but we did find something that was a blend that had the Lando in it. But that they was were the Gemini. Out. Oh, yeah, that was the Gemini at Newport. Um, Which uh, was one of a few fun things, and that was one of the reasons why I got that bottle to bring home. Yeah, but they were entirely out of their Lando Noir. Um, so you couldn't even taste it. They, there was none left. So, next year in Middletown. Um, next year in Middletown. So, this beautiful pale. Ghostly pale compared to the others. Oh, yeah. Lychee is especially prominent. Yes. So, again, this is, I feel, more Alsatian now, anyway. Uh, Lychee and Rose is more. It's more Alsatian now than the Arizona Stronghold. Also, more Alsatian than the Alsatian. 
What do you mean? I feel like we, we weren't getting as much, nearly as much of the lychee and roses off of the 2013 uh, from Alsace. True, but that, that this could be a, a young note. That could be it. We just had this a couple days ago, but I have, I have forgotten my notes from, from that point in time. Uh, Cody took good Instagram notes, so uh, check the, definitely check the Instagram from this trip. Much fruitier. It feels it's a little sweeter too. It is, yeah. I wonder if there actually is a bit of residual. Could be. Could be in this one. One of those things I wish they could put more information on a wine bottle. Um, and it's it's just frequently just not there. You get. This That's one says red, red table wine. Well, what's in it? This is finished in the Alsatian style. After its remainder, so it's a perfect harmony of fruit and spice. Aromas of rose petals with rich flavors of apricots and pears make this a great match with spicy foods and heavy cheeses. Yeah. Now this, I want to. I do want to pair it with a with a um, like a fun. French cheese plate of unusual cheeses um, with rich flavors because it wouldn't the wine wouldn't overwhelm the cheese flavors. I am I know a lot more about cheese than I do about wine, and really what I know is bread. Uh, and yet I am the cider wench. Cider wench tried new cider this weekend and was very excited about it. Hmm. So tell me about the cider you tried, the cider wench. Cider. Um, I had no idea that we made a hard cider in Rhode Island, and it's from Newport, and it is called Rhodey Coyote, so Rhodey like Rhode Island, but R-H-O-D-Y, and then Coyote. Um, it, they said it was, because last year we had a weird growing season, um, weird rain, weird, weird weather, weird everything. And the, uh, the apple crop was not good for eating um, as much as usual, but it was apparently excellent for making cider. And I kept hearing it described as, oh, this is an acid bomb, it's a total acid bomb, it's, you know, it's all this tart fruit that no one would eat. And I tried it and it was the sweetest cider that I have had um, by way of American ciders. Very different from Down East, which is uh, most prominent New England cider made in Maine. Um, it was more similar, um, in that it had a, a lighter flavor to it. It was more similar to 1010. Um, so shout out to James Callahan. James, it, that 1010 is fantastic. Um, so if you're, if you're looking for cider in Arizona, go 1010. If you're looking for a cider in New England, at this point, I, I kind of want to say go Rody Coyote. It's literally more expensive than down east, but it's uh, it's worth the uh, it's worth the experience. It's surprisingly sweet. 
um, but it's not so sweet as to be sickening. Uh, tastes more like it's, it's, like it almost tastes as though it hasn't been fermented. Um, but it's beautiful clear color. It's only a little bit darker than this very pale Richter meeting. Um, I very much enjoyed it. Oh, sorry. And I would probably pair it with um, just something something that you would traditionally put applesauce with. Maybe pork, maybe, um, I mean, it could work with German food. Um, and then something in me wants to say shepherd's pie, but I think that's just because I'm placing it at Aiden's. I'm wondering now if Aiden's, which is the, which is the best pub in Rhode Island, um, they serve this yet or not. But anyway, back to the uh, Newport Diverts. Definitely tastes and smells a lot sweeter than the others. Uh, there is no effervescence on the palate. Why do you have that ungodly picture? <laughs> because I decided that for my varietals list, I would get Concord and just get it done and over with oh. a Manischewitz. Oh, dear. So, screensaver is up, and it's going <laughs> through pictures. And, and At one point in time, I was keeping track of every single varietal that I was trying, and I had to get some that were, how we say, eh? We like found Concord. out. Yeah, we found out yesterday that no one in Rhode Island grows Concord. Thank God. And that in mass. So this is the hilarious and ironic thing. There is more Concord grown in Arizona. Thank you. Stupid. Um, not stupid. Sorry, that was uncalled for. Thank you, Grand Creek Vineyards, which started as a Concord farm. Um. Then there isn't all of Rhode Island. Now, that being said, there are a lot of people that are using uh, Concord, that Lambrusca, as rootstock. Yes. So, so there is that. Yeah, that was, uh, found that out Westport. at Westport. That they had, um, a lot of their, their unusual varietals were grown, they were grafted on, onto Concord rootstock. Um, which was pretty cool to find out that Concord has a use. Um... And then this morning I was, I've, I've never, I've never taken any kind of, of, you know, real evaluation of communion wines before, but we were at my Orthodox church, which, and, and we had, I, I went for communion and, and Cody was right behind me. And then I said, as we were walking back to the pew, does that taste like Concord? I said, maybe? This tastes like, it, this is like being back at in the Baptist Church, or perhaps the Episcopal Yeah, it was not a Mavrodothnia Fetras by any stretch of the imagination. No, and normally they have, uh, they have much drier uh, communion wine. This was probably the sweetest I've tasted since leaving the Episcopal Church. Where frequently people will just donate Manischewitz like crazy. You <laughs> said yeah. Manischewitz is not heresy if it is blackberry and used in making cobbler. But otherwise... This is allowed. Yeah. Well, I'm going have, to allow this. I did have a fantastic kosher... should have written down the name, but it was something really cool. 
fantastic kosher wine that was not Manischewitz, was not made with Concord at all. It tasted really good. Um, at a um, Shabbat lunch. Shabbat luncheon? I don't know. Saturday, Saturday lunch at a friend's Orthodox parent's house. Um, so that was kind of cool to be like, this is, it's a kosher wine that isn't Manischewitz, hooray! <laughs> As it opens up, I'm getting more acid on the back of the top. Mm -hmm. Sound like a bird. <laughs> and now, the fun glass. These two, all these Gewurz trimmers smell more alike in the new toy glass rather than in the regular glass, which I think is very interesting. Oh, you're very right on that. <laughs> now, in the fun glass, I'm getting some salt. Which makes sense. We were talking yeah. about that. That we do have... Um, not only the the salt wind here off of the the ocean and the bay um, coming up from the south and keeping things warm, um, but also the um, they're talking about calcium from the shells in, in, from the sh from from ancient shells in the soil, um, and so that's the main difference that I'm getting in the, the fancy glass. But I did not pick it up in the regular taste, uh, the, the regular glass, which was what we had for tasting at the vineyard. Otherwise, very similar, um, very similar scents between all three. Um, less of the, less of the sweetness and less and and the, the floral is the floral is more present. I think in the in the fun glass, or else it's just mm. not being masked so much by the very sweet fruit flavors or aromatic. And I am getting more of more of the acid from the fun glass. It's biting everywhere instead of just the back of the tongue, although the back of the yeah. tongue is still most prevalent. Did you taste it out of the glass? Oh, yes. Good. Good. Don't you pay attention to me? <sighs> Sorry, I'm just staring off in the space. <laughs> Distracted by Ooh Shiny. Yes, there's a lot of ooh shiny in this room. Yeah, it's very interesting how all these smell very extremely different in a, a more normal glass. But in this, 
particular tasting less. They they all have the same sort of earthy, grassy, you know, with some minor differences. And, and all those other things that are at the forefront are at the back. Yeah, you can smell the terroir better, I think. Uh, possibly. I, I need to do some more experiments because this is literally only the the. Sixth wine I've had in this glass, so more research is required. More research required. Release the vineyard. Release the Kraken. Sorry. <laughs> Wait. Inception sound. Can I have a tiny bit more of the Newport scene? Is that the one that is easiest to open? You could have more of any of them. Well, I'm going to go with that one. Fine. Do you that way? I'm interested to see um, if I can get my father to do a comparison tasting because he is normally a like a half a glass kind of a person. Um, you know, if he's if he's feeling like he's had quite a bit to eat, then he he'll probably get through a whole Guinness. But otherwise, he'll probably have half a Guinness tonight when we watch the movie. Um, but to have him do a comparison tasting and see what he gets, he picks up as someone who grew up with the German culture and German food. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't been to, he hasn't, he took me to, um, I want to say it was Sakonet, Carolyn's Sakonet Vineyards, yeah? Yes. Um, which is on, which is, which is like across a, a part of Narragansett Bay. From um, from Newport Vineyards, it is it's very close as the crow flies, but the terroir is different, uh, just from island to mainland. Um, just to see what he what he picks up, um, having not been to a tasting room in a while, because when we went, the tasting room was closed, um, or we were we we're outside of the hours or something. But we did get to look around and see all the pretty things. Um, uh, yes. A lot of nice tasting room experiences out here. Yeah. Not that I've been to a bad tasting, but it's um, everyone we uh, everyone we met was very knowledgeable. Um, there was one person, uh, and in some cases more knowledgeable than I've seen in some Arizona tasting rooms too. There was one person who was fairly new. Um, who did need to use some notes, but she was very avidly learning and wanted to know what we thought of everything, um, just so she could add that to her own experience of, um, you know, what what the wines at Newport are actually like. There was a, the, the other person we worked at, or, or we started with at Newport, right before he did the tour. Kevin. Uh, Kevin, yes, Kevin. I, I did not catch the young lady's name, but Kevin, is two years into working there and is also studying um, to be a sommelier, but he's going in a different direction. Uh, he's going through, he doesn't have all of the knowledge that our dear wine monk has. Um, so I he, feel like I really don't have all of that much knowledge, really. So, at any rate, Kevin was saying, and this is incorrect, this is incorrect. <laughs> in the tasting notes that were given to us, like the look for these flavors, the, was it the Gemini 
I think he said was. <laughs> why are they and, calling this Chianti style? Yeah. I don't understand. And why are they calling this Chianti style? This is a Bordeaux style. And I would agree that it did. I mean, it did. It did remind me more of Bordeaux, but I've had more experience with Bordeaux than Chianti. So, yeah. Chianti, fava beans, and a nice Chianti. Uh, horrible mispronunciation. Yep. Anthony Hopkins. You gotta know he did it on purpose. <laughs> Maybe. I hope. Blue Man's very educated. Very, like every role he does. I wouldn't say I'm an Anthony Hopkins fangirl, but I do definitely appreciate his work. But anyway. We're going to sip a little bit of more Gouret's Trainer. I'm going to sip a lot more Gouret's Trainer so that way I can be uh, sociable and personable. Indeed. Uh, this evening for uh, the quiet man. The quiet man. Although by mind. default I should be more sober so that way I can be more quiet. Huh. Uh, so it's a I can loud be house, man. The quiet. Uh, yeah, this is this is a loud house that we are going to this evening. Um, Our house is a very, very, very loud house. <laughs> but on that note, we we shall depart. I bid you adieu and adios and. Um, I don't know why you, there, there isn't really a Rhode Island goodbye, so I'll just, uh... Um, well, sure it is. This being a mob town, let's go sleep with the fishes. <laughs> oh, I suppose so. Oh, that's mobsters, Patrick. <laughs> that's mafia talk, Patrick. Oh, that's mafia talk, Patrick. <laughs> so, from all of us here at the Wine Monk Podcast, I am... Doing my impersonation of the man who hosts Celtic Sojourn on the weekends here in New England. A uh, beautiful, beautiful Celtic music radio broadcast on WGBH out of Boston. Um, and I can't remember the man's name. But from all of us here at the Wine Monk Podcast, we shall bid you a uh, fond farewell. Amen.